You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I want to talk about how to live off the top of the barrel rather than living under the barrel. You know, it's one thing to have some hard times in our living from paycheck to paycheck or from crisis to crisis, but God has not called us to live like that our whole life. He's called us to live off the top. And I want to talk about that tonight and show you in the words some principles that will help bring into your life maybe more increase financially, maybe more increase spiritually. And it will begin to, to cause you to rise up in faith where you begin to think differently and you begin to attract different things in your life rather than what you've been attracting. Are you ready for that tonight, church? Amen. All right. I want you to turn to over the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1. And I want to take this one verse and expound on it. Look what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Say imitators of God. We get our word mimic from that. The Apostle Paul is saying that we need to imitate God. And I'm going to show you tonight that if you learn how to imitate God with what you say and with how you think and with how you act, you will attract blessings in your life that supersedes everything you can imagine. But you have to learn how to imitate God. And let me give it to you from this standpoint. If you remember over in Genesis chapter 11, verse 3, it says this. It says that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, the word there for world is not the typical Greek word for world, which is cosmos. It's another Greek word which means generations or ages. And so what he's saying is, is we understand that the future was formed or is being formed by the Word of God. And what's so powerful about that is when you study the Scripture, you'll find that, uh, particularly with the prophet of Amos, he makes this statement. He says God does nothing without first revealing it to the prophets. Now, why would God do that? Because in the Psalms it says this, that the heavens belong to God, and God has given to the sons of men this earth. In other words, the earth is under our jurisdiction. It belongs to God, but it's under our jurisdiction. And God has given us the earth. And the same way that God created creation, God wants us to create better lives here through the same way that he created creation. He wants you to fill your mouth up with faith. So that you can create a better life for your family, a better life for your life personally. And when you look at that from that standpoint, it gets pretty exciting that, let me give it to you in a simple way. The things that you say today determine what your life is tomorrow. And I'm not just talking about chatter. I'm talking about when you speak in faith that comes from the word of God out of your mouth. And you declare things over your life that you believe is the word of God for you. It creates your life in the future when you do that. And that's why the Bible tells us to imitate God, not only in our thinking, but in the way that we speak and how we say things. And I know that you can't walk at this level of faith every moment, 24 hours a day. I know that. But I do know that 
Once God moves into your heart, he puts dreams and visions. He puts things in them that it's going to take you to get bold in your faith and declare things that most people say it'll never happen. It'll never transpire. But, but if you can continue to think the way God thinks and speak the way God speaks, it will change your future. And you'll go from where you're at right now to something special. Amen. Amen. And you'll give glory to God for what he's doing in your life because you know it didn't happen by natural luck, if we could use that term loosely. But it happened because your faith attracted blessings in your life in a great way. I want to be a magnet for the blessing of God in my life. But I've had those times in my life where something comes up and I could have just laid back and let it run over me and just accepted it, but I didn't do that. I went to the Word of God and found out what the Word said, and then I began to say what the Word said. And as I began to say it, what the Word said, it didn't change overnight. Maybe sometimes it took years, but it would change. And you would begin to create your own kingdom of heaven on this earth by your faith. A lot of people, the life they have is created by the negative things they've been saying over the last 20 years. They wonder why their marriage is lousy. They wonder why they hate their job. They wonder why their health is falling apart. They're, they're not creating the right things. Now, remember this, that fear is the reverse of faith. And the only power that Satan has in this world is fear. He has no power. Jesus stripped the power of him. He only has deception and fear, and it's the reverse of faith. Instead of believing what God's word says, you believe what you don't, what you fear in your life, and that's the way that Satan tries to control this world system is fear. But I don't know about you. I've been delivered from fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Same with you. Amen. Come on, give God praise. It's true. So if we're going to live on the top of the barrel instead, or off the top of the barrel, rather than the bottom of the barrel, we're going to have to become more than just someone who believes. We're going to have to be disciples. A disciple is someone who's disciplined, who takes the principles in the Word of God and applies them in their life. And I think the American church is real quick about being believers, but very slow about being disciples. you got to be a disciple. Say Amen. Now, I want to give you something to start with, and that is this. you got to get to a place where you actually believe that what you say will happen. Let me say it again. you got to get to a place where you actually believe that what you say will happen. You say, well, how can you do that? You remember the prophet Elijah? In the story, it's really powerful. He goes to the king Ahab, and he goes to him. Now, he's been praying about this. He knows the will of God. And he says, as surely as the Lord liveth, it will not rain or there'll be dew on the earth until I say so. He didn't say until God said so. He said until he said so. In other words, he had prayed, found the will of God to the point that he was believing that what he said would in fact happen. He believed in his words that he said, he believed that his faith rised and fell on how much he believed in what he said. A lot of people don't believe in what they say. They say one thing and believe something different. 
If you want to move mountains in your life, you first got to find the will of God. Second thing you got to do is believe that when you say it in faith, believe that, believe those words that you say. That's exactly what Jesus meant in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. Uh, he said this, have the faith of God, and whosoever shall send to the mountain, be plucked up and cast into the sea, if he doubts not the heart, but believes the words that he says, he shall have whatever he says, if he doubts not in his heart what he says. So he has to believe when the doctor comes to him and says, this is incurable. And you'll, be, you'll, you'll probably de be dead within a, six months. And he says, as the Lord liveth, I shall not die, but, to li but live and declare the testimony of the Lord. Amen. And he actually believes that verse that I just quoted. He believes because he said it, it'll work. He believes when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. He believes what he just said. Do you believe what you're saying? Or do you just believe in the garble that comes out of our mouth? I'm not suggesting that we are gods within ourselves at all. I'm talking about when you get faith in your heart and you speak God's word, you have to believe that what you say will in fact happen. If you ever cast out a devil, it, it's not a negotiation. It's not a democracy. You don't go, devil, could you please come out? I can get a lot of people that think you should come out. No, he's got to come out. And you know, because you're telling him to come out, he's going to come out. Hallelujah. But it's so easy to allow the life that we go through to affect us. And we become weak. And we become feeble and we don't realize that we have a measure of the God kind of faith within us. And we need to get God's word inside of us. And we need to say to ourselves, listen, I'm going to live off the top of the barrel. I'm tired of living on the bottom. I'm tired of just getting by. I'm tired of being sick all the time. I'm tired of being broke all the time. I'm tired of having a bad marriage. I'm tired of it. And rise up above that and say, no, Lord, you didn't call me to fail in my marriage. You didn't call me to fail in my finances. You didn't call me to fail in my body and praise God I'm going to hold fast to it in the name of Jesus Amen. I don't know about you but that's good preaching because God really does want us to live on the top of the barrel not on the bottom and we don't look down on anybody that's going through it but we didn't know you're not supposed to stay in it you're only to pass through it come out the other side better amen Turn to somebody and say, I know you've been through it, but you're looking better right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, your future comes from what I'm going to show you later in Scripture, the fruit of your lips. The fruit of your lips is really the result of praise. It's really the result of of thanking God for things he's already given you. And when you release that in your life, that's why your praise life is so important. That's why worship is so important. Because what it is, it's a, a, it's a, it produces the fruit of your lips from what you believe in Christ. And it releases that into your life. Without a praise life, you'll have a sad life. Well, I'm not, I'm not a singer. Well, become one. 
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sing quietly. When we shout in the Lord, you can jump right in and be right in tune. Amen? Because you need that. There's a power in the release of that in your life. Amen? All right, I want you to make a note of this. This will really help you. Write this down. God has no favorites. He doesn't have any favorites. He doesn't like Moses any more than he likes you. He doesn't like David any more than he likes you. He doesn't like Job any more than he likes you. He has no favors, favorites. My grandkids are always telling me, Grandpa, I'm your favorite. And I say, no, you're all my favorite. Because I've been instructed by my wife to say that. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter learned this revelation that God is no respecter or shows no partiality. If you remember the story, he was ministering primarily the Jewish people because uh, they had the first covenant with God and so forth. And he didn't believe the gospel was for everyone else. And, and he was just believed it was for the Jews. And this went on for 12 years. And God gives him the vision, you know, and he sees the vision. And then he's brought over to Joppa's house, which are all Gentiles. And in the middle of the sermon, in the beginning of the sermon, he says this, that I perceive in the truth that God shows no partiality. What a revelation. Soon as he said that, then he began to preach to them. Holy Spirit fell on this culture that had been rejected by the Jews for thousands of years. And from that day on, Peter' ministry expanded to the world because he got the revelation that God had no favorites, that God would save anybody, anybody that believed. God will heal anybody that believes. God will set free anybody that believes. There's not anybody here that God will not set free if the individual believes. He just won't do it. He's no, he's no respecter of persons. And that revelation is so good. In fact, you can see it supported in other verses in the Bible. I used to always wonder when I was reading the epistles of John, why does John always say we? If I was preaching, I'd say something like this. Well, if you believe this way, you'll be blessed. But he never says that. He always says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we got all the petitions that we desire of him. Wow. You know why he said that? Because he realized that God answered his prayers just as much as he would answer the new converse prayer. Just as much he'd answer the prayer of the guy who didn't have it together yet. It was everybody. No, no partiality. All they had to do is pray in faith and believe. Do you know what it means when, when you say God is no respecter of persons? God shows no partiality. It means that everything is within your grasp if you believe. So, you know, we say, oh, Pastor, I don't know about that. I see God blessing this person that, that much and so forth. You're not seeing it right. Jesus said this, be it done unto you according as you believe. Some people are given to more faith in one area than you are because they developed it. Other people have faith for this, that. He's not showing partiality. They just seem to have more faith for it. And then you always have the mystery people where they get blessed because someone blessed them. 
they didn't earn it or get it by faith. They just inherited it. So it screws everybody's thinking up. But God is no respecter of persons. He'll heal the leper as, as well as he'll heal the prostitute. He'll heal the tax collector as well as heal the person that's been going to church all their life. All he wants is faith. Hallelujah. That means that whatever in your life that you want to live off the top of the barrel in is available to you if you would simply use your faith and believe you receive what God has promised you in the Word of God. If you would just do that, things would just radically change in your life and you would see something powerful happen. I, I want to get this across to you. You are all winners. God didn't call us to fail. He called us to be kings and priests. He called us to win in life. He didn't, he's, he didn't save the losing team. He saved the winning team. Doesn't matter what your past says. Christ in you, you can win at anything. Let me show you a verse. This is found over in Hebrews chapter 2. And I want you to see how it's written. It says, but one has testified somewhere. Why doesn't he, why doesn't he mention the verse? It used to always bother me. Why doesn't he mention the verse? Because the Old Testament and the New Testament are in scrolls. And they didn't, they just wrote, they wrote down what God had said. They didn't put it in chapter and verse. That came hundreds of years later. So if you had scrolls from the Old Testament, you would know it was written somewhere in the book of Isaiah, but there would be no chapters or verses. So he says, but one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? Watch this next part. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. Now watch this next part. You have put all things in subjection under his feet for injecting all things to him. You left nothing that is not subject to him, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And then the verse says, but we see Jesus. Because we have to grow in him to get the reality of what is true. He rose from the dead and sat down on high. He was perfect. We're not perfect. But as we grow in the Lord, we should be seeing victory in our life. And the verse says that God made us a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, that is the word Elohim. It means God made you a little lower than himself. It's pretty powerful. A little lower than himself. Woo! God must have made a mistake. No, that's what he said. And, uh, and Paul said it this way. He said, run in such a way that you would win. He didn't say run in such a way that you finish the race. He didn't say run in such a way that you come in third. He didn't say run in such a way that you come in second. He said run in such a way that you would win. In other words, he believed in winning. Hallelujah. Even the apostles who paid a great price to establish the church, even the apostles had seasons where it was the days of heaven upon earth. Even the ones that were beaten and, and crucified upside down, all things that happened, they had seasons. How much more should we, once they laid that foundation, how much more should we have those seasons regularly in our lives where we're living off 
the top of the barrel. Hallelujah. Where there's harmony in your marriage, there's love in your marriage, there's fruitfulness with what you're doing. Man, how much more should that be? I've been married now, uh, this week, Thursday, or Friday, sorry, 50 years. How good can it get? It's really good now. And I just started the training with her. But it's good. Amen, it's good. In fact, it's so good that she thinks the way I think, which is scary, and I think the way she thinks, which is even more scary. But it's beautiful. When you build your life on Christ, you have these seasons where God blesses you over the top. But if you're not expecting it or declaring it, it may miss your house. You may miss that season in your life of greatness, which causes your joy to overflow. I, I love to, to study the book of Acts and just watch all the apostles, the, the seasons they had of victory, the Ephesus revival where they're meeting five hours a day and, and, and there's, there's things done that have never been done before supernaturally and the glory of God is there so strong that they take sweatbands off Paul, lay on the sick and they're getting healed or Peter had that glory time when he walked to the street of Jerusalem, his shadow was healing the sick. Woo, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the glory of God being manifested in the people of God that would dare to believe. Dare to believe. Dare to say religion is not flat. It's not misery. It, a true religion changes families, changes countries, changes health, delivers people from oppression. I've got news for the devil. He don't have Washington State Christ has Washington State. And the Bible says we're to be the head and not the tail above and, above and not beneath. And you ever notice that verse in the Old Testament? It said this. It says, you shall lend and not borrow. Why wouldn't God want us to borrow? Because when you borrow from everybody and their brother, you become controlled by them. God wants the church in a position where they can put out blessings and not be controlled by this or that you know the economy lower whatever they want the church to be different they want you to be that doesn't mean it's wrong to borrow but it means that God wants you to get to the top of the barrel where you don't have to see prosperity was never designed to give you everything you wanted it was designed to bless you with overflow so you can help everybody else so that you're able to buy someone a meal. So you're able to build a missions church. You're able to build. Come on. That's what it's for. It, it's to bless other people. A poor church can't bless other people. But when you get rich spiritually and God blesses you with wealth, you can bless people coming and going and you can make a difference. They go, man, there's something about that church. They're first to help, first to bless. Come on. Give God praise. That's what he loves. He loves it. So we want to be the, we want to live off the top of the barrel, not the bottom. That should be the intention, the pursuit that we go, whether in a relationship or whatever your career is. We don't want to just stay at one level. We want to maintain, we want to go farther. And don't make this mistake. Don't try to practice the faith. God never said try. He said do, be doers of the word. 
Don't try to believe you receive, receive. Don't try to believe you're healed, receive your healing. Don't try and say, well, you're a little bit coarse. No, I'm telling you what works. Don't go at it trying, go at it believing. Be a doer of the word when it comes to forgiveness. A doer of the word when it comes to giving. A doer of the word when it comes to serving. A doer of the word when it comes to turning the other cheek. Be a doer of the word. Don't just try. Do it. See, a lot of people, I think, are missing out on the blessings they have because they're, they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for the water to get stirred. They're waiting for the economy to change. They're waiting for their spouse to change. They're waiting for their kids to change. They're waiting for a new president. They're waiting for things to change. You don't have to wait to receive. You can receive in faith right now without waiting one, one more second. You can receive the Holy Spirit tonight because the Holy Spirit's already here, already been given. You can receive your healing right now, spiritually, right now. You can receive the provision that you need right now. You don't have to wait. You, you have to wait sometimes to see the manifestation of what you receive, but you can receive right now. That's why the man that was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years had, wasn't healed. He was waiting for something to happen. Jesus came along and said, hey, do you really want to get healed? Of course I want to get healed. He said, take up your bed and walk, and believed what Jesus said. That moment he received, that moment he began to walk, power was in him. But yet, you could take the woman who had the blood issue for 12 years. She decided she's going to believe that if she touched him, she would be healed. She believed that, and because of that, pressed through the crowd, touched him, and was healed. She didn't wait. She didn't go, well, maybe he'll come by the house. Maybe somebody will invite him over for lunch. She received and pursued him with all of your heart. All right, I want you to look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, verse 16, and write this down. You need to be careful on how you think, careful on how you speak. It's a struggle, I understand that, but you have to be careful how you think, careful how you speak. Listen to what it says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, if you have an old King James translation, it says, redeeming the time. And write this down. There's two words for, for time. One is chronos, and it means seasons. You know, you got winter season, spring season, that kind of stuff. But the one that is used here is the Greek word kairos. And it, and it means a season or a time of opportunity. In other words, when all the stars are in line. You're at the right place at the right time. And it says that if you're careful, you're going to be promoting being at the right time or right place at the right time. Here's the thing about it. When I start to feel sorry about myself and complaining, Instead of raining, I become unaware of the opportunities that God is sending me. But if I keep my mind positive on the promises of God, keep my mouth filled with that, I become aware of the opportunities when they come. I see them. I'll give you an example. Joyce and I, our last house that we had, I actually lived across the street here. It was a nice house. And we wanted to get another house after we built the church. And 
we went out at that time they had what they called this tree to dreams huge beautiful mansions I wanted to get out there and get kind of get an idea of what I wanted so we went out there and I walked through and I'd see the stairway case that I liked I'd see the house and I said Lord that that's what I want I want a house that has a stairway like that or like this or that and then when we went out looking for a house we went in the model home they had and walked inside and the Holy Spirit fell on me said this is your house now my question is does the Holy Spirit fall on you when you're not believing for something my experience very rarely unless someone has been praying in faith for you but every time you use your faith for something whether a child whether a spouse whether career change whatever it may be and you believe in God for something better you become the Holy Spirit begins to lead you and guide you and you become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit seems to manifest to you in those areas and reveal to you and give you wisdom that you would normally see hallelujah some people say well God never leads you that's because you don't believe if you believe something that he promises in the word he'll always lead you in it I said he'll always lead you in it when I was called to minister I said Lord you called me you confirmed it with prophecy I appreciate that but what do you want me to do now and I remember he led me to second Timothy study yourself show yourself approved workman God rightly dividing the word of truth and I said okay I'm gonna start studying study I took some correspondence courses and I said Lord I just feel like there's more you need want me to do and I, I know you got a purpose here and I remember I went to a Bible study and a lady reached out an application to Rainbow Bible Training Center and the anointing of God fell on me and said go now to go I got to sell everything I got to go I got to convince my sweetie pie this is a smart move she's worked for years for our house we have six acres nice place but God spoke to her in her rebellion she didn't want it but she said Lord if you want me to God spoke amen praise God so we went here's the point I want you to see he wouldn't have led unless I was believing hallelujah said hallelujah Amen. we even do this when we go to a doctor and we're not seeing a physical healing we say Lord don't give us a piece about the doctor you want to do this procedure and we pray until we have a feel an anointing that that's the guy I remember my wife had some neck surgery and they were saying that she, if she got in a car wreck she'd get paralyzed I said we've been standing in faith long enough we're gonna keep standing in faith but we're gonna go to a doctor we went to the doctor and she had got a couple doctors and and I went into this one and, and the anointing was just there I said you're cutting her fix her that's it she said we didn't even talk about it that's okay it was a perfect doctor he whipped her into shape now she can stand on her head run around it's great praise God Amen. Amen. The point I'm trying to tell you is, is that when you believe, the Holy Spirit will minister to you. You can come to church tonight and there will be two people. One's getting revelation after revelation while I'm preaching. The other one goes, oh, it's a nice talk. That's it. Don't remember a thing I said. One's believing for something. And then the Holy Spirit starts to teach you, even beyond the topic that I'm talking about. He'll start teaching you. 
It doesn't, I could be teaching on unforgiveness and, and you need your marriage fixed and he'll show you things in that that'll help your marriage or, or he, it doesn't matter what I'm preaching about. The Holy Ghost will begin to teach you. Hallelujah. But if you don't believe and you're just waiting, oh gosh, hurry up, man. You'll leave with a blank head instead of an alive heart. No condemnation. I'm just telling you. Once you believe, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you. Hallelujah. I need a husband. Believe. Don't be hoping and praying. Believe. Write a list down. Don't make it too hard. Because, you know, come on. You got flaws. Just do something kind of general. Say, this is what I'm looking for. I just, right on the list, I say, He's got a good job. And he treats me like a queen. Amen. Give God praise right now. You got me sidetracked here. <laughs> Woo. But the Holy Ghost really wants to minister to you. And let me tell you something about time with God. We get all caught up in the time frame. God is so big and powerful that he can suspend time. Remember when Joshua spoke to the son? Suspended time. While they defeated their enemies, they didn't want it because the night was coming. If they would have uh, just gone the way it was going, they would have went home and regrouped and come back the next day. But God suspended the time because of what Joshua said. But he's more powerful than that. Think about a woman that's 90 years old. That's like a model beautiful woman. Sarah was a beautiful woman. She was so hot that two kings tried to take her from Abraham at 90 years old. She has a baby at 90 and God prolonged her strength and she lived to be 127 years old. Well, that's pretty good. Abraham even lived longer, praise God. I think that's powerful. And if you remember in the Old Testament, you remember the guy that was in the temple praying all the time and the Lord told him that he'd see the Messiah? We don't know exactly how old he are, but some people believe that he was 150 years old. God had just sustained him for the request. Because in Psalms 91, it says this, 15, I believe it is. It says, he satisfied me with long life satisfies me and shows me his salvation. Well, some people are not satisfied yet. And so he keeps them around longer. Hey, man, they're just not satisfied. I I, want to do this, Lord. And God has the power to do that. Time is not a problem with him. This is what I like, and I've always wondered about this, Caleb. He's 80 years old, and he says he's as strong as he was when he was in his 40s. Now, I don't know. It could have been a faith statement, Mike. He could have been calling those things which be not as though they were. But I know that when he took that mountain, he whipped those people. I know God supernaturally gave him power and strength to do it. I mean, think about it. To be as strong as you are at 40, at 80. Whoa, no walker for you, man. You're ready, praise God. Time is not an issue with God. Hallelujah. 
Maybe you're frustrated, but I tell you what, God wants you to live on the top of the barrel. He wants you to live on the top of the blessing. He wants you to receive the best in your life. And don't you allow your time frame, don't you allow what you're going through to hold you back. You stand up and say, Lord, if you got to make me stronger to last longer, that's fine. Hallelujah. Whew. Man, I sense something right now. Wow. I sense someone here is going to have a baby that is older that doesn't think they're going to. Anyway, let's just move right on there. Praise God. Woo. Man. I'm not going to tell you who. I just, it just came in my spirit right there. Praise God. Believing leads to leading. Hearing leads to learning. And faith always breaks the yokes of bondage in your life, no matter how far you're, how much you're chained by it. The great apostle and teacher, Smith Wigglesworth, he said this years and years ago. He said, anyone can be changed by faith no matter how much they are fettered. Fettered is an old word that means chained. He said, wherever the devil's changed you, faith can change it. Maybe you're chained with an addiction for food or addiction for that or chained with addiction of lust or, or chained with addiction of, of sickness. Your faith can change that situation every time without, without reservation. Let me give you three verses. Hebrews 4.14 says, hold fast the confession of your faith. Hebrews 10.23 says the same thing. And in Hebrews 13.15 it says this, that we're to offer up the sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips. And the word thanksgiving there is the same word for confession. In other words, when I praise God, it's a form of confession of faith. I'm thanking God and praising God for the answer to my prayer. I'm praising God for it. It's getting so excited. I'm a prayer. <laughs> Woo, my goodness, this is exciting. It's just in the praise. It's like you're releasing something that you've received on the inside that you just can't shake loose. And do you know the word confession used in the area of, of your faith? is also translated profession. How many know there's a difference between a profession and, a and just a confession? There's a difference. A lot of you do sports on the weekend, but you're not professionals. Professionals make a living at it. They do it all the time. You got, you got to be a professional faith person. I'm a professional, praise God. I'm confessing the word of God. I'm not holding back, praise God. I'm speaking the word of God. I'm praying in the spirit. I, this is the way I live. I live by faith. One last verse, James chapter 1, verse 25. Look what it says, James 1, 25. But one who looks intently in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. James has been talking about being a doer of the word. Now remember this, the law of liberty is the law of faith. He's not talking about a form of commandments that we would think in the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the law of faith. That's why he says, 
that a doer of the word is a guy that looks at himself and doesn't forget what kind of person he is. He doesn't forget he's seated in heavenly places. He doesn't forget that he's been made the righteousness of God. He doesn't forget that he has all authority and power. He doesn't forget that he can do all things through Christ. He doesn't forget that he has the Holy Spirit to teach him all things. Think about that statement. All things the Holy Spirit will teach him is abiding inside of him. And because he doesn't forget who he is, he acts the way he's supposed to do See, a lot of people forget who they are, and they start acting like this loser. They're not a loser. They're acting. They forgot that they're a king. They forgot they don't have to put up with it. They forgot that they can rise above it. Come on. They forgot. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together. 